Hi, I'm Mara Webster within Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the Disney Plus series National Treasure Edge of History with Antonio Cipriano, but also just addressing the fact that you go by Cipriano and Cipriano for your last name, because I know that there's a few different versions of how everyone says your name out there. So just wanted to to say both versions. So either way, we're correct at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah, Cipriano, Cipriano, whatever you guys want to say, that's okay. I take either. I take either. (laughs) Amazing. And and in, in starting to talk about this character and, and this project in particular, right. I love that the audition scene that you had for this was one of the very early moments for your character after he's been kidnapped by Catherine Zeta-Jones and her team. And yes. he's in essence saying, yeah, something really traumatic just happened to me, but we should find this treasure and we should be the ones to figure this out to his friends. Because right. I think that's such a great essence of who he is as a person and how he processes things and how he navigates through the world. And yeah. so when you when you had that as your audition side, how did that give you an immediate sense of just how to play him? Because it sounds like for you, connecting to this character was a very instinctive and early on connection for you. Yeah, no, I mean, right from the beginning, that scene and there was another scene that I was just like, wow, this is this is very much a lot of myself in this character. So it, it, it sort of fit like a glove. It felt it felt right to play him. And then in that scene, you know, he's he is kind of like the cheerleader of the group. He's like, guys, let's do this. Like, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. And that's very much just kind of how I go through life too. Like I'm, I'm there. If you guys need me, I'm always going to be there for you. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's such a, it's such a fun character to play because he, he really is just rooting them on. And like, you know, he adds his fun little twist to things and he's having a good time regardless of if he almost died or not, you know, like he's still, he's still there. Um helping helping out his friends so it's, and it's and one of the elements of him is that he's a huge huge sneakerhead i mean that's yeah. what makes him a surprisingly easy target for kidnapping at the very beginning yes. of the show mm-hmm. um very little resistance if there's sneakers involved but it sounds like you went down a real rabbit hole yourself of really kind of wanting to understand the culture wanting to understand a lot of what kind of goes into that specific passion and connectivity and so as you were researching that entire culture and and a lot of the different products and thinking about what would he really connect to within this how did that start to formulate and shape certain ideas of who this character was for you it's a great question yeah and we i haven't really talked much about the sneakerhead aspect of him um but yeah it's i mean you know i don't know how many episodes you've been able to see have you seen all all five of them or have you yeah, seen all the ones that have aired so far yeah okay yeah. um and in episode five you get to see that he has uh, a youtube channel where he he does like the sneaker resale platform that he that uh, it was in a scene before where he talked about having it and it unfortunately was not added to the show but that's okay um because there's still many layers of him in the show. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I just learned so, so, so much. I watched a lot of the YouTube videos of these guys doing sneaker reviews and stuff like that. And I didn't realize how big of an industry it was. Um, and, and it, it gives more of a, a serious tone as much of, you know, sneakerhead. you don't, you don't really think that's, but he's a businessman, you know, and, and you see him kind of pitching his sneaker business to this big deal guy at, at the gala. And, uh, you, I, I gained a lot of respect for the character because, you know, there's a lot of, of sides to him. He's, he is a goofball, but he's also, he's a very responsible guy and he's, he like knows what he wants. Um, and, and I see that in a lot of the sneakerheads that I, that I got to watch on YouTube. They're, they're all like, they're incredible people who have a vast knowledge of, of, 
everything that goes into sneakers. Like they're like, yeah, this is a size 11. It's like limited edition, like all this stuff. I don't, you know, I don't have like all of the crazy cool details, um, but I did get really into it. And it's, I, I wanted to start really buying shoes and, and doing collecting and stuff, but God, you'd have to like force me to buy a new pair of shoes after like a year and a half of destroying one pair, you know, like that's how Orin and I defer pretty largely, but Early on, I did try to, I did, you know, buy a pair of Jordans and like try to wear them as much as I could kind of get into that, that vibe of who Oren is um, and what that kind of person would, you know, walk through life, how they would walk through life. Um, but yeah, he's, it, it really just kind of gains a lot, you gain a lot of respect for the character because they, they are pretty knowledgeable in that aspect. Absolutely. And and with what you were bringing up in terms of that scene as well, where we got to see him pitching his business idea of, you know, I have yeah. an idea for a sneaker design business and this is what it takes. And he's, you know, he's clearly thought about the staffing that he needs, the resources, yeah. you know, everything that would go into that from a very entrepreneurial spirit. And like you said, it, it gave you so much respect for the character as well. Uh, you know, how how did you kind of find a lot of those details early on with the earlier scripts that would give you both of those sides of who this character was, where, like you said, you know, he can just as much be the comedic relief as someone who does take things very seriously and has yeah. very strong ambitions for himself in the world. Yeah. I mean, even early on, you, you hear about uh, kind of the conspiracy theory type stuff that he also is into uh, with the Elvis stuff and all that, you know, he is a very knowledgeable guy, right? Like he, he might, you know, say some random stuff, but he really does have a lot of knowledge of the world of, of, of business and, and all this stuff. So, you know, you do get to, you do get to see that kind of stuff. And, and as the show progresses, his maturity level continues to increase, you know, because they're going on this, you know, besides all the fun, they're, 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 they're going on a pretty serious adventure right here. And, and, you know, towards the end of the show, we start to get, it gets intense. Like six through 10 are a whole different thing, you know, um, that it gets really action-packed, very intense. Like there are high stakes moments in the show and Oren really does show up occasionally. And, and in episode eight, there's a particular moment which I can't really talk much about, but you're like, oh, wow. Okay, Oren, you, you really sticking up for yourself and for your friends and, and really just like, you know, putting your foot down here and it's like, wow, okay. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Happy to see that other side of you. It's always been there, but like he, he really does take a turn in a good way. I think. I've, I've also he heard you mention that you kind of really enjoyed the aspect of him as a character that is really passionate and connected to conspiracy theories. And, you yeah. know, that infiltrates into some of the things that he, he says out loud throughout yeah. the show quite a lot in a lot of his dialogue delivery and certain ideas that he has for the group and how they should go about things. And so was there a similar usefulness for you in terms of going down a very different sort of internet rabbit hole from the sneakerhead culture into kind of looking into what would his understanding and connection and interest be driven from with this? Ooh, ooh. It was, it was fun to dive into both of those. Um, I, I was careful to not go too far down the rabbit hole of the conspiracy theories, but um, all, all of the the Elvis stuff that that went on, you know, I, I researched all of that. I researched the secret room and th there was an Oprah interview that actually did happen where they took her into the secret room. And it was it was like that's like a real thing that happened, um, which is really, really cool. Um, and there's also this fact that he well, this 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 conspiracy theory that 
he drops early on in the show that did not make it in the show, but it was very interesting to me about, you know, Oren, Oren sees this Masonic gavel that, that uh, Jess has acquired from Sadusky's uh, storage unit. And he's like, they're like, you know about the Masons? I'm like, uh, yeah, dudes built the pyramids. Or at least that's what they want people to believe. It was actually extraterrestrials disguised as humans who now run a secret cabal that rules the world. You know, like he just throws shit out there like that. And it's like, what? Why do you know? Like, what? What? Like, it's it's very interesting to play into. Um, and I, I did try to, I was wary of how far I went, but it was it was really cool to to search some of those and look them up for sure. And, you know, you're, you're bringing up some of the elements of things that he just says out loud, yeah. you know, and just kind of like throws into the conversation with his friends so comfortably, you know, he's, yeah. he's known them his whole life. And there must be so much fun in terms of approaching the dialogue and finding the delivery for a character like that, where, you know, there's even the moment where he's like, oh, I'm sweating from places I don't even want to think about. Why did I say that out loud? And he's saying the same, yeah. you know, saying all of the things out loud because his brain hasn't caught up with his mouth a lot of the time. Exactly. And yeah. so how did you find a lot? of the intonation and delivery of a character that that kind of talks faster than he's necessarily thinking about what he's saying sometimes yeah i mean it, it's it's so much fun to play with first of all it's like the best um because because in each each take of that scene you can really just do it a different way and it'll read a completely different way right and uh yeah i it's it's really just kind of working with the whibs and kind of where they wanted the character to go. And I felt the I, I knew who the character was like, right when I got that audition, I was like, Oh my God, this guy, you know, he's, he's just, he's, he's a lot of myself. You know, I, I do that too. I ramble and I start talking. And as you can see here, I'm like, what am I, what am I saying? What am I saying? And then I'll say something stupid. And I'm like, ah, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. You know, like I, I it's, it's, it's very, I, someone who I relate to, Oren. Um, and, you know, getting to play kind of a lot of comedic roles growing up in high school and stuff like that, it it did help with with like the comedic timing of, of certain things, right? I, I definitely learned, you know, how, because I did comedic roles in front of an audience, I did a lot of theater growing up. And I think that that's actually just hitting me right now that like getting to kind of play with an audience and see what works and what doesn't um, helped bringing it to film and like kind of knowing where I can, you know, how I can phrase things and, and make it work in that way. And with your theater background as well, was there, was there kind of like a transference of, of connectivity to character it, you know, in a slightly different way, because when you're in theater, you're with a character and you're living and breathing that character so much, even though you're doing the same material night after night or throughout mm -hmm. rehearsals, you know, and this is your first time taking on a series regular role throughout an entire season and spending that much time developing a character on screen. Um, but I was interested in what some of the similar aspects were just in terms of the relationship that spending that much time with a character allows mm -hmm. you to build with them over time. Yeah, I mean, it, you are definitely given a lot more material in a in a ten episode span. Right, you get ten hours to really figure out who this person is, um, and you know you have two and a half hours to to in in a show or a movie or whatever uh, to to get a full fledged character out. And and that's what is so great about TV and film. You know, TV specifically is you do get to really dig into the character um and in and in theater 
you know, that's where a lot of the behind the scenes work comes in, where you have like a whole backstory. You have a whole life. Like Phoenix had a whole thing. He had a whole life with his family and everything because you don't meet those characters. I don't know if you know about I did a show um, and and, you know, I talk about my family in it, but they're not actual characters in the show. So I you know, you you have all of this room to kind of just imagine what that life is. Um, so both aspects are very, very fulfilling. Um, and it's and it's I I would love to do both all the time forever, for sure. It's amazing, you know, and and with Oren as well, in in terms of of his life and relation to other characters, yeah. what's so great is you're getting to play him in this really centralized friendship group of people who've grown up together. Yeah. So there's that incredible connection and kind of all these little nuances that you have the space to be able to create. And mm -hmm. so, what were some of the elements that you wanted to bring into the language, the mannerisms, the actions, the interactions with the rest of the cast that really would reflect that level of history and comfort and trust that they have? with each other yeah i mean that's we also got so lucky with not only 10 episodes but we we basically had a built-in friendship since like third grade right like they mentioned that we have been friends forever right so it's 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 already icing on top of the cake right we have we have so much information and you know it also helped that when i got to baton rouge we all became best friends in real life so we were able to add you know even on top of like the chemistry that we already had, you know, we are able to to add fun little things and like little, you know, when, when Tasha's like, Oren, you're ruining the thing. I'm like, Tasha, you're giving me performance anxiety. Like we always sing at each other, right? Like, it's just kind of like a thing that we do. Um, so it's, it's so like, we, we were able to add so much fun stuff that we get to do in real life. And the Wibs were so gracious and, and open to all of those fun little aspects because because it's it is a, a show about a group of friends helping each other get through this crazy thing and uh god i love them all so much they're the best so and and speaking of uh the the wibberlies the wibs as you call them as the writers yeah. of yeah. the show you know they've also come from the movies of the franchise as well and it sounds like they created an incredibly collaborative space with this show in yeah. really wanting to have your input and the rest of the cast's input on characters and ideas for scenes and, and where things would potentially be emotionally or characteristic wise for these characters. And so what was the space that that really opened up in Oren as a character for you and having that sort of collaboration with them on set? I mean, I think for Oren specifically, just because he was... He's such a, you know, random out of the box kind of character where you can have so many different, th like in episode five, we learned that he can tailor a suit. Like what? You know, like there's so many random things that he can do that it just became a fun little thing of like, oh, what can we, and like in episode three, uh, some of the accents that he does. I, I just came to set that day. I was like, can I like do this? And they're like, sure, try it out. And like, just, just having that, having the Wib, the Wibberleys who like wrote these incredible films and, and are, you know, could just be like, no, just do what you told to do. But they're so open and so gracious with us um, that we were able to add so many fun things. And we tried to squeak in some singing in there. There's a, there's actually an episode five. If you do, listen closely at the gala there may be a second of antonio singing in there we'll see if you if you rewatch it you may hear something 
I'll have to re- have to rewatch that episode because I didn't yeah. catch it the first time. But now yeah. everybody's going to be looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were, you know, you were also talking a little bit earlier about that that idea of this this growth and maturity that comes to fruition more with him as the season progresses, and you know, even just in the first five episodes, we can already really see that it went from oh, wouldn't it be fun to hunt down this treasure, and wouldn't it be cool to find this pot of money, to this becoming something that he's taking very seriously in a different way because at the end of the day, as much as it started as a fun idea, the stakes are incredibly real and incredibly high, you know, and he especially was on the receiving end of what that could potentially look like for them very early on. So he understands that wholeheartedly. And so how have you worked throughout the season to really create that gradual shift and that gradual growth into a place of more maturity and more seriousness, but still always making sure that you're kind of bringing him back to the fun and kind of like honoring that core of his personality at the same time? Right. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first things that they said to me when I first started talking about the character with them. They were like, yeah, we love about Oren is, is uh, this selfish to selfless arc. That was like a beginning standpoint of what they were like, this is kind of what we're feeling for the character. And I was like, Oh, beautiful. That is, that is a lot to work with. That's a lot of fun. And, and in, in all of the scripts, you see that, you know, and, and as I said, towards the end there's a big maturity switch and and he really is he cares so much about his friends and 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 helping them figure this out that you know it it, it kind of came naturally the selfish to selfless arc um and that's a credit to the writing but um yeah it was it was a it was a joy to play as an actor too and and still the fact that they were able to keep some of the humor and have that is is Amazing. And amazing. within that same facet as well, was was there a consciousness on your part and or theirs to kind of make him a little bit less impulsive as a character as well? Because he, you know, with what we were talking about earlier, he's someone who dives headfirst straight into everything and then yeah. kind of assesses things afterwards a little bit. But through necessity, he has to start to really think things through a little bit more before he dives yeah. into actions. Yeah, um, he definitely does. But there are still moments of Oren peeking out in there uh even even like right towards the end like he he's he's just an impulsive guy who wants to to be there for everybody and you know nobody's going to be perfect nobody's going to think through everything perfectly except for Jess who's like amazing and and has that you know as we see she has that clue mind what we call it where she can really like focus on something and like envision what you know all of the it's incredible with what she does um but yeah i mean he he definitely still has that aspect of like kind of the impulsiveness and you know you see it towards the end where they kind of i actually can't tell you anything but there's there's some high stakes and and he still kind of is like but um yeah there there's definitely like you can definitely see a change a shift in maturity for sure and and with the fact that, you know, with what we were talking about, with the stakes being quite high and the situations mm-hmm. that they're getting into becoming more and more heightened, 
this is also a group of people who don't have experience with this. So it's really looking at what are their real day-to-day world existences that come into play as they kind of learn more about themselves and find specific skill sets. But it's not that all of a sudden overnight Orin becomes mission impossible and knows how to drop through a ceiling to break into a space. They're really all figuring it out as they go along. And so how have you made sure that as he goes into all of these different stakes and scenarios and situations, that it still always very much feels like someone navigating everything for the first time and just figuring it out along the way? Yeah, I think, honestly, what's great about it is me as a person, am confused uh, with with a lot of stuff. So I didn't really have to to play into that too much. I was just like, what are you saying? A lot of the stuff that Tasha says with like her laptop, I'm like, I still don't know what you're talking about, but I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out. You know, if I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know. Um, but yeah, like it, it, these are still very uh, tough and tricky situations that we are in. And uh, yeah, that that stuff I didn't have to act. I I sometimes I really just didn't know what was going on, and that's okay because it worked for the character. So. Okay. And with with getting cast on a, a show like this, you know, you've you've mentioned in other interviews that, you know, as a kid, it's like you think about the idea of, OK, maybe I could be in Star Wars. Maybe I could be a treasure yeah. hunter. And this kind of really fulfilling that childhood aspect of, yeah. you know, playing a treasure hunter in, in this show and, and getting to fulfill a lot of that. And so how do you feel like playing this character and working on this project has really kind of connected you to some sort of very specific like childhood passion in terms of what you're getting to do professionally as an adult at this point? Oh my goodness. I mean, truly like a treasure hunter. Are you kidding me? Like there's national treasure, there's Indiana Jones, like what? Like I, you dream of this stuff, truly dream of this stuff. Um, And you know, all of the fun stuff that we get to do in the show. Um, this, some of the stunts, like I had a stunt double for, for episode two, where there's like the, the kidnapping and everything, uh, it being kidnapped by Catherine Zeta Jones. I mean, fine, I guess, I guess I'll do it. You know, like what it's, it, I, it's like, what is my life? I don't know. It's, it's truly an honor to be able to be in this group of people. And, uh, I hope I get to, keep doing it, you know, keep finding treasure. I love that. Well, it's, it's such a joy to hear about uh, what this experience has been like working on the show. So congratulations on the the first season, excited to watch the rest of it. And thank you so much, Antonio. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.